Hello? Hello? Mic check? Mic check? Hold on. I'm getting it all clear from the studio. Are, Are your volume, volume levels, levels all set, set listener? Oh, Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Whistle. We should actually not be recording today because there's not really that much football, but the show must go on. Charlie, it's a national weekday ball. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my name is Kale. I'm here with my compatriots in sports news and reports in Smiley and Crack. What's good, brothers? Bro, Charlie, we do. Today, they tell you, I'm very tired. I, I'm not gonna lie, the way that they sleep before people can call me, yeah. Oh, well, still, lot. the people need what the people need, so we're here to give it to them. And I mean, honestly, if 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 we knew that uh, you know, it would have been this way, we might as well just have recorded right after the transfer window ended because that's really all that's dominated, although it's, in, it's a week late. Still, uh, we have a lot to get into with regards to, you know, the transfer window. So, Charlie, how are you guys seeing? I think it was better than last year, the transfer window last year. Because last year, the transfer window, I yeah. remember, was quite boring. It was in, in the deadline day. Mm. I don't think much happened last year on the deadline day. But this deadline day, yeah, Charlie, more signings happened. It was, it was, it was way better. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that breakdown. But uh, I felt like because of the way COVID hit, you know, people are really smart in their business. Some teams had uh, cash stored up to be able to go after their signings, you know, uh, they targeted them and then went after them with pinpoint precision. A couple of signings which couldn't happen for one reason or the other, but I felt also felt like, you know, with the people made a lot, a lot more smart signings. A lot of teams did a lot of, a lot of smart business in regards to this window. Yeah, but crack like, do you have any general comments? Uh, not really. With the way the revenue is set up, I mean, is it a hit or miss? So you have to be smart about your dealings, cause money not really did the system inside like that for most clubs. So I think they were extra careful when people were signing like eight, nine, like they used to. Even some of the smaller teams weren't even signing four, five. Like they used to. It's only Chelsea, and Chelsea already had the hazard money and all of that. So. I think it has, it has been a successful window and an impressive one, as Smiley said. You spoke about revenue, and uh, obviously a lot of clubs are missing a lot of revenue from the fans. The fans not being present in the stadium has, you know, sort of restricted the amount of money which they could spend, and also the amount of money which they could generate to, you know, offset with the club's operations. And it's it's been very very it's been such a strange phenomenon to see. Uh, with teams playing against each other with no fans, obviously for the first couple of weeks, we we sort of thought it, it seems it seems surreal, like a training match, and then all of a sudden, you know, teams picked up right where they left off, giving giving us drama, giving us entertainment and all that, and it's been very very particular with the way the season has started. A lot of teams have shipped goals. <laughs> we we obviously get Basket. to United and. Liverpool game, you know, but do you, do you feel like uh, that's a possible reason why you know uh, teams seem to be shipping goals because it's really eleven players against eleven players. My tactics against your tactics. This one, no fan can come and do any giddy giddy to make me feel overwhelmed or whatever. 
Make her go first. <laughs> Honestly, it's not about tactics versus tactics. Like, it's it's more to do of the atmosphere. It's just like the NBA bubble, where the rookies, the young boys, are rather playing well, and some of the veterans aren't being their best. Cause Charlie, they've been through atmosphere with fans. They have that experience. So the smaller teams are playing with that freedom, where they don't have to be heckled by United supporters or Liverpool supporters or all of that. You understand? And some players need that kind of motivation from some of their supporters, like especially the big teams. Right now, it's kind of like a level playing field where you are playing 11 versus 11 in a training match or a closed-door closed match. The atmosphere really plays a big, big factor in this. But then some of the teams didn't really have good preseason and, and enough rest. Because Charlie, the season end, no, like three weeks time, no, it start again. And some people went all the way to Europa semi-finals, Champions League semi-finals and all of that. So, and lack of preseason to lack of conditioning, Charlie, there's a whole lot going on here. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the top four wouldn't be the usual suspect. Maybe if, if something doesn't change, because I know it's early days, but when teams pick up momentum, it's, it's hard for them to drop it just like that yeah 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 in addition to the lack of fans i think it's also the teams just blindly copying other systems because you know when a team is successful playing a certain way everybody wants to be successful playing that particular way so for example now that Bayern have been successful with their high line and playing out of the back and all that teams are also trying to force themselves to do that because if you notice for a lot of the goals that are being conceded it's like teams trying to play out ball over. Yeah, teams trying to play out of the back and then it backfires. That's one of the common themes from all the goals we've seen, from most of the goals we've seen. So I think that one too is also a very, very major factor in everything that is happening right now. That's true. Mm. Whatever be the case, uh, it seems like right now, moving forward, teams will have to play smarter if they want to be in the Premier League. And obviously, early days, but then still, we can already have an indication of the teams which are going down. Fulham have been disastrous since they've returned to the top club. I don't even think they've scored a goal yet. If I'm, no, 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 no. they have. No, no, they, 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 when, they, when they play, they have. When yeah. they play Leeds, yeah. But they haven't won a match. But they haven't won a match. West Brom as well too have been unfortunate not to pick up a win. And West Ham, West Ham have actually been impressive since the season has started. I think uh, only losing once and winning twice. Uh, no, sorry, losing twice and having a big win up against Leicester. And coincidentally, David Moyes haven't. Uh, no, actually, they've won twice. Yeah, Wolves and Leicester. Yeah, the Wolves win that it crashed them out of the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think seven goals and then none conceded. And David Moyes hasn't been uh, present with them because he contracted coronavirus. <laughs> Funny enough, in all... the two games that he was away, they won both. So ex- just... ex- exactly, exactly. So <laughs> maybe. David, uh, the goal, the goal, the, the chairman has to look at that <laughs> appointment and see whether anything can change. If you if you recover, then just go tell us actually. You yeah, just day out small, maybe this is on. Please, 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 please. Yeah, but and obviously we're seeing a dip in form with uh, heavy hit of new boys from last season, Sheffield, not quite themselves ever since the season has started. And Aston Villa have been mighty, 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 mighty impressive. Speaking, speaking of Sheffield, I think they are like the 
team that has suffered the most from not having fans in the stadium. Because, you know, since the restart, they haven't been able to pick yeah. up their form from before COVID. I think Villa, Villa have won their first two games. No, the first three games. Yeah. Beating Sheffield, beating uh, Fulham, and then obviously the thrashing <laughs> at Villa Park. <laughs> like, they, what, obviously, as United fans, we all watched the United game and felt some type of way, you know, seeing the way things happened. The season way the way things played out you lost a, a, a man down and then everything just goes to shit. you have Mourinho who was hungry to prove himself or at least send the message and you know they did the business by destroying us six and every united fan really just wanted to turn off the tv that day but you know football is football and no one would have ever guessed <laughs> what happened to have happened a full, a fully fit Liverpool team were destroyed by Villa, seven two. Like, where were you guys when you watched that match? Charlie, <laughs> that game was something else because you know with the, the United defeat, everybody knows that United. We always had that in us. Our defense was always a shambles. Like, we, we are capable of that. No, just Liverpool a matter of one time. Came, it was just a matter of time, exactly. This Liverpool one came out of the blue. Nobody saw it coming. Like it was just like watching a movie. And even till now, you know how United lost and right now is all doom and gloom. Everybody is foreseeing that we are going to just take a nose dive. For Liverpool, it's like even though they lost uh, what seven two, it's I don't think they are, they are panicking that much because they just know that it was just a fluke defeat. That's yeah, but still a cause for concern because in these three games that they have played, they've shipped 11 goals as well. Hmm. And Alisson too has just been hit. They weren't able to sign a backup goalkeeper to replace Adrian, who was culpable for some of the goals conceded. And you really have to worry because uh, Gomez's, Gomez's um, confidence must have dipped Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are fully attacking fullbacks. They are not going to sit in defence. So you are really leaving Van Dijk exposed like that. Unless Matip comes in or they put Fabinho right alongside him and then start playing Thiago. But then at the last time, at the last, uh, as the last week, he had also contracted Corona. I feel, and you could see it was Manito also had it, and you could also see um, you could also see the, his presence actually being missed. Because he would have pressed the hell out of Villa and, you know, sort of found gaps in their defense. But it, it was so, it was such like an abysmal performance. But nobody else would have I, seen I actually, it's Villa. Yeah, I don't want to, like, emphasize oh, on money being missing. They had Salah, they had Firmino, they had Jota, and they had the midfield, and they had the defense. You understand? The thing I want us to focus on, Adrian. Yes, there were some deflected goals. Yes, there were some lapses in judgment. But they don't trust him. They don't have that, that trust for him. So even if they're attacking Liverpool, you could see Van Dijk turning, looking at Adrian's position, positioning. And also, when uh, um, this guy goes... Uh, what's the name of the other defender? Trent, no, not Trent. Or... Or Gomez. Gomez. When Gomez moves, he can't even move out of position or take the ball forward like they used to. 
they weren't doing that a lot because even when they do that yeah. they catch them on the break I, and after the match when when um they interviewed um the striker that scored the hat-trick um the villa striker Oli Watkins he said their game plan was to prevent Liverpool from passing the ball through the middle they are passing lane they had to block it and block the wide right so you, if you watch their setup they set up flat across the midfield so Liverpool can't really find Firmino and even if they do Firmino can't find the wide players which which is their defenders because that's where they attack the most and when um, Villa gets the ball they have Grealish and um, the number eight the Chelsea boy that just came Barkley. Barkley. In transition. So that was really hurting Liverpool because those people can actually hold the ball and do something with it. And McGinn was actually excellent in the midfield. But Charlie, it was just Villa's day. And as I said, there was no atmosphere to help Liverpool out in that game. So, Charlie, once the other team picked momentum and they were coming at you, it was like they could score on all the attacks. They could have easily shipped in 11 goals home. They hit the bar. They missed some chances. Like, it could have easily been 11. Uh, actually, it's one of those things. But for the United one, yeah, I didn't watch after the first half. So I don't even want to talk about <laughs> it. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. The United, the United game, uh, it, was just, sure? it was just... For me, it was just sad that it happened with Bayou on the pitch. Because be they are just going to use him as a, they are just going to be use him as a scapegoat because he obviously he had been playing well and the fans had been calling for him to start and then suddenly he gets his chance and then this happens so now obviously he will be the easiest person to target because he's the new person in the back line so it seemed like yeah we brought by inside no we concede six that's how it's going and it happens that's a lot it. with by yeah. it seems to be very unlucky either he picks form. And he gets injured, or one lapse of, of judgment, and he's back to the yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah. But Lindelof can give three. But then I was thinking about something the other day. People who think I'm trying to defend Lindelof, but it is actually a knock on Maguire. Because I think Maguire isn't that calm enough to control Bailey in the defense. Like Lindelof is weak. They wasted 80 million on him. He's useless. <laughs> I think Lindelof, you see Lindelof here. Eh? Lindelof is an experienced player, even with Sweden as well. Lindelof, on the other hand, might have a lot of defensive deficiencies, but he's actually very calm in defense and controlling the back line as well. He's vocal. But Bailey is strong and plays the hard hard tackler and hard guy ball and Maguire is supposed to be the one that is supposed to be calm and manage everything but he also can't so you realize that both of them are rushing here and there and there if we had a smarter defender and a good defender Maguire should be on the bench like Charlie obviously the Greek thing is still affecting he, he's, he's not, not here mentally oh, the no, guy he's, he's just he's he's just a confidence version of Smalling that's all the difference between them is not just because you get confidence. If Smalling is making a mistake, he looks like a fool in the middle of it. But Maguire will make a mistake and look like he knows what he's doing. He did it on purpose. That's, and that's it the is difference. Because we hardly blame Maguire like we blame Smalling. Smalling, we're always looking for faults because we didn't want him in the team. 
But Maguire only has made it that no matter what happens, he's starting. And I don't know whether it's a good thing or not. Yeah, because you spent 80 million on him, you want to give him the benefits or the doubts. You want to prove to yourself that he didn't make a mistake, but actually, it was a big mistake. The guy Charlie, he the should issue, never have been shot. The issue is plenty. United, if we start talking, mm-hmm. not be today, we go in. <laughs> you make me move on to uh, <laughs> across the point. Arsenal seem to have uh, you know, a gem of a player in Thomas. You know, as Ghanaians, I feel like we are all proud that a you know, a brother man has moved to Europe, been able to establish himself uh, as a leading player in the game. And Arsenal shelled out, actually released, uh, paid the £45 million release clause to trigger uh, a let's go of, to end the contract, basically. And let, let, him ha- let him come on. So it's party time over in London. Like, Charlie Revelate, boys, 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 boys can't hide for the team, no. Well, I'm actually happy for him. Because of how like excited the Arsenal fans are, I think it's probably the biggest signing involving a Ghanaian player in Europe since SN, I think. So, so I'm I'm actually very very happy for him and Charlie. He's going to add a lot of steel to Arsenal's midfield because he's he's exactly the type of person they they need. Like they probably thought they would be getting that kind of player when they signed Shaka. And that one it doesn't work out mm. as well as he thought it would. But party party is a more level headed and more dominant midfield midfielder, especially he's he's going to be a very solid signing for them. Arsenal parents Arsenal pairing party and uh, uh, what's the name? Why am I forgetting people's name today? Smiley just mentioned yeah. the player's name. Shaka. Shaka. <laughs> I go drink something this Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, I mean, I'm sure. See, Perry, and Jacka will be the best midfield partnership for Arsenal. Trust me. Because Pate is even good going forward as well. Since, he's a good passer of the ball yeah, as well. Yeah. And like, he's a good since, defender. Sebaios, s- since when? Since, since, since who? Since who? Like, you said best pairing uh, Arsenal, but since when? Since what? Vieira and... Uh, no, no, no. I'm just I'm saying this team. Oh, no. Not in their history. Oh, come on. I'm talking about the options they have right now. Pairing them will be good for them in that team, right. yeah. Because Ateta plays three back and he plays three four three. You understand? So that midfield, that midfield two, six and eight, the eight will also play as a ten and play as a eight, box to box. And Patek will just slot in there. And even Patek can sit for Jaka to bomb, bomb for it. They play those nonsense shots. Like, it's actually good for them because Ceballos, Ceballos is a good ball handler and passer back he gives balls away easily and he's also bad defensively when Arsenal is under pressure he can come in the second half and do what, what he does best control the game and give those passes and slow ball that he has been doing but ah Charlie Arsenal is really going to be solid man like Arsenal is really really and, going to be solid and for me it will also be interesting to see Partey in a different system because all we've seen him in so far is the Atletico system with Simeone, who everybody knows his terrorist, his terrorist football. He mm-hmm. doesn't allow his <laughs> players to function, especially the attacking players. So it's possible we might see a different attacking dimension to Partey's game that we've never really seen before. This is a very exciting signing altogether. Still on that uh, Ghana, Ghana tip, 
because of international football, Ghana played a friendly yesterday, I believe. A global. And Charlie, where that? See, sir, we forget, sir, we forget, sir, to include in the clip. You know that that clip where the guy didn't sort. I have it. Yes. 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 I read his comments. I read his comments as him saying that uh, the the players don't understand each other because they've only just met or some dumb shit like that. So he, and he said they only had two <laughs> training sessions or something, and the Mali play, he said Mali didn't really play that well, but they were more. Um, they banged three. <laughs> he said they didn't play that well, but they were more. Uh, they knew each other more or some some shit like that. The guy honestly. One thing I need to understand is how how did he get the job? Like, what were his credentials? What did he win before? Because this is not a small job that he just give to anyone. Oh. I guess that they wanted to give it to a Ghanaian. Yeah, the they just wanted local to give legends. it to an ex-player who is a legend and also because he has called Koko Kotoko and all. And let's not what? lie ourselves. The current uh, FA uh, chairman likes him. So, Charlie, it is what it is. You see, this is why then we needed Kawawa on this one because Charlie, I really you know can't give it, you can't give us the inside. Oh Charlie, <laughs> star boy, star boy, oh <laughs> Let's just move away from uh, Ghana a bit and then just touch up on some last minute things. I'm sure you guys read uh, Pogba's comments regarding Madrid. Uh, him not necessarily him moving to Madrid, but then Madrid as a team because and I I'm, I feel like we've reached that point right now where we can all confidently say that it hasn't really worked and then he's not also willing to you know do what he has to do to take the club up another level there's a myriad of problems wrong with the united as a club at the moment and honestly it really doesn't help when somebody is, is there and you know isn't really pulling his weights if, if that makes sense because right now i'm Honestly, as a fan, I'm frustrated at the comments which keep on coming out from him. And it's not really helping anybody. And I feel like people too have just resigned to the fact that, look, he might not even sign a contract extension. That he'll just wait for his contract to end and then move to Madrid. Because United won't budge on that uh, asking price, at least. And Madrid too would also pay that. And you could also see it happening where they would actually go for a younger talent. Because I think Zidane really likes the... Kamavinga. I can't say his name well. Kamavinga, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, easily go for him. 17-year-old who scored on his debut for France was a good not too long ago. Yeah. So, like, he... He now, he's just actually time to the goal. But, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on it? It's, it's two things for me. Like you're saying, he, I don't think... I think Madrid have moved on from him he's he's i think right now is more of like a desperate move like he's just throwing himself at them just to see what happens but i don't think madrid are still interested in, in him i think that ship has already sailed for him if anything it would probably a more likely move would be to uv 
or even to PSG because he's a Frenchman and maybe they are also looking for midfielders. Maybe that one could also happen because Madrid, they, I think, it's not going to happen. But on, honestly, when I first heard the comments, I was also pissed like any United fan should be because Charlie, right after a 6-1, you're flirting with another team and you played very poorly in that match. In fact, you've been very poor the entire season. But then I'm thinking about it, and it's just a case of players doing what they do to us. Like when a smaller a, a player plays for a smaller team and he wants to play for a bigger team, and he's flirting with us and saying that yeah he's interested in moving. Like right now, United have declined so much that players can easily do that to us, and we can't really say much about it. The same tactics we used to go and get smaller team players. That's what. Is happening to us now he can just come out and say that yeah he wants to move, uh, madrid is a dream for him i mean if it was like a western player or something saying it's a dream to move to man united nobody would say much like it would be normal and i think that's where we find ourselves now that's the situation we find ourselves in right now that's where we are players can just come and talk about other teams they want to to move to and we can't do much about it me, okay. all I have to say yeah, is, well said. Mm-hmm. Uba alone, his timing is always bad. Back then, we used to ignore it because he was Charlie Good. Right now that he has lost form, anything he does is annoying. And as Smiley said, yes, we've declined so much that. But then it's Madrid. Even the time we're on top, they took Ronaldo. There are some players that, look, Madrid and Barca will forever be their dream. Spanish players, some of the French players. In fact, for foreigners. It's only these British guys that want to stay here and be loyal to England and all of that. But then, every season, Pogba does it. He drops it once. He drops one bombshell after the other. Last season was Barca. They asked him about Barcelona and he said it. And Madrid too. This season again, back to Madrid. Last season too was Madrid again. This season to Madrid. And even last season was... This guy that was doing a lot of damage, Raiola, and his brothers. We've, we stuck with him Stupid. throughout all of that, and Stupid we defended brothers. him. You understand? And now he's also proving the point that, yes, whatever his brothers does, he's in on it and he knows. Because if he doesn't want them to do it, they wouldn't do it. They were all in on it. Right now, if Poba goes, fine, because it's going to look like if this dip continues, it will be our bedding. We are not going to get any good money for him. So I'm just hoping the true Poba comes out again and we can sell him to Madrid. But it looks as if Zidane is moving on and wants to build a way younger midfield and all of that with Kamavenga and the rest. So let's see how it goes. That's bad, that's bad. So right now, I think um, just to sort of put the, uh, to put the episode to bed, I uh, will just do a quick transfer window roundup because honestly, if we all know who would would who would have, who would have had the, the better of the windows and then who had the definite worst window. But you know, let make I go through the guys, shall we? So best window, like who which team had the best window in EPL or in Europe? The best window in EPL. I know Chelsea is the obvious answer for every for most people. But just about to go I'm there. going to go with Tottenham. You're following Harry. <laughs> You're following Harry. I'm going to go with Tottenham. 
because Tottenham, their signings they've made have really addressed major major issues they had in the team, and they look like a completely different team. The thing about Chelsea is that their their transfers, their signings are good, but I don't think they particularly look too much of a different team to last season. Last season, Tottenham were shambles. Now, the two, the left back and the right back, Doherty and Reglong, they've really solidified their full-back positions over there. Hoybier too has settled in seamlessly in their midfield. And in all this, we haven't even seen Bill play yet. And I think Bill too will come in and do well. And then um, the striker, striker they signed. You know, for years, for years they've been looking for they've been looking for a backup to Kane and been failing. And Vinicius too. Last season he was the top scorer in Portugal, I think. So I think they've addressed some major major issues, and the signings have changed the type of team they are completely. So I'm going to. Go Moreno has always liked Hoybier, right from the first time he. We signed Pogba and he played against us in that match and he praised him. He has always liked Hoibi and Hoibi has yeah. slotted him beautifully into that midfield and he's really doing what Moreno wants him to do. He's a hard tackler, he runs, he passes well and and Charlie, not to even talk about Regulator, how Regulator has actually simple. slotted in as well and he's playing good on the left. Like, I was watching him and looking at uh, Regulator. regulator. Regular when you call him regulator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you look at him and you look at Shaw and you go like, Charlie, hey! What is this? The difference is mad. And then, like, the, see, people keep on talking about Hurricane, not doing Hurricane, but look, even if Hurricane comes and gives 60% performance to that Tottenham team, they'll be dangerous. Because you can't tell me Hurricane has lost it, so you will not mark him or you leave him. That guy can still shoot. That guy can still hit. He might have lost a bit of pace, but he can still hit you. And and right now, Tottenham can rotate well because even a player like Dele Ali is not even getting minutes. And they can rotate, rest players, come back fresh and play again. So, Mourinho has actually done a good job. Maybe an injury to Kane or Son. Might be their downfall, but right now they are looking really, really good. And I'll, I'll give it to them because he got important signings after losing the first game. Was it? Did he lose or draw? Yeah. Yeah, that was when he well, actually he lost everything. Nearly went mayhem and Levy decided to buy players and then bring players in and all of that. And Chelsea, Chelsea is still having integration issues. Lampard is still trying to figure out their best roles. Because I said I only judge him when their players are back from injury. And I think they are now back. So from now on, I'll be watching him with both eyes and all of that. So, but yeah, the window, the window, I think Tottenham, Tottenham did well. Because Thiago coming to Liverpool, it was a big fuss and all of that. But a Liverpool team was strong regardless. And Jota going there too. It's actually good signings for Liverpool. But I'll give it to Spurs. I'll now say Everton. Because key, 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 key signings have, you know, sort of trumped. They needed midfield steel. They were always going around with Schneiderlin and uh, Sigurdsson and Joseph uh, uh, Remedy midfield. But yeah, by just bringing in Ducore, Alan, 
Dupori who can go box to box, Alan who can control. Richarlison hasn't been as electric, but then still been effective. And Calvert-Lewin is just having one hell of a uh, start to the season so far. You know, with them being top of the league right now and the Messi side there being next week, one can only have, and Liverpool sort of losing the way that they lost. One can start to dream and, you know, sort of see how that game could go. And uh, shout out to Smiley for creating the uh, ATW Prediction League where, you know, your man is on top <laughs> after a few correct calls. Because we didn't see. Because see, you go United. <laughs> A shock. I think you don't know what we're here to come do only. <laughs> and on that tangent, we we'll all agree who had the most disappointing window. It was just shambolic. And, and see, if if the Glazers, the Glazers want money. If a team wins matches, you get money. Why can you not fucking invest so that your team can perform? You wait time and dilly dally and do poker shit with Dortmund who really don't need that money. They need the player much more than they need the money. So give them enough money to release the player. You they do we'll wait till the last day. But yeah, the only the only the only good sign I feel like we've done this competition uh, for Luke Shaw by bringing in Tellers. You know that that you have a decent defender. I feel like Oli already wants to move. Short to a back three because he can see that we need uh, that stability in defense. And if you have a good wing back in Tellers and then bringing in uh, uh, Brandon Williams to that sort of addresses a problem, but then doesn't really solve what is wrong with the team right now. Oh, for me, funny enough, with the most disappointing window, I'm going out of EPL and I'm going to give it to Madrid because Madrid didn't sign yeah, a single yeah. player, they didn't sign anybody so. I don't know. It, it, I don't think it can be more disappointing than that. United, United's window was disappointing in the sense that yeah, what we expected was what came was yeah, what came was far less than what we expected. I think if they had even signed a right winger, not even necessarily oh, but, Sancho, but we did sign a right winger. Even them, those babies they've exactly, signed, yeah. and and it's, 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 it's so stupid because right now you know the way this fan base is. You want to integrate an 18-year-old. What the last time that an 18-year-old lit up our team was last season, and we didn't see it coming. But right now that you've bought somebody for that role, and that expectation is going to be on him to deliver. When was the last time that anybody? And you consider the fact that he's coming. He's not even. A, he's coming from Uruguay. So the the amount of pressure, like me, I'm just hoping they don't rush Palestrina into the team because. Yeah, like at least just a few subs, sub appearances here and there, some cup matches here and there. I hope because United have this tendency of as soon as a young player comes, maybe if he impresses once, then you just dump him into the team and just he just crumbles under the pressure. They did it to Januzai, Greenwood has handled it fairly well. They did it to Martial, they did it to Rashford. Is I don't know, it's not, it's not a good situation for young players to thrive in. Young players are supposed to come into a team where they, they don't feel the burden of carrying the team every week. They are just supposed to come in and do their thing and just know that if I don't if I don't play well, it doesn't mean the entire team will not play well. So I, I'm really scared for the Pelestri guy. For Ahmad Diallo, ah, I think he's the more talented player that is. He's more talented. He's 
and he looked like someone who would fit in more quicker and more seamlessly. Given, given, but given that he's the one, given that there was some, there will be somebody ahead of him, and he will be able to come on when the game has yeah. sort of worn down and be quick and electric and a bit uh, a bit of dribble. Yeah. And and even from the videos I've watched, he looks like a more um, like a more aggressive and uh, a player who can impose himself more on a game than Pelistri looks right now. I think Diallo would have been someone who, if he had come right now instead of Pelistri and Pelistri had come in January, I would have been more um, optimistic about the season. But I will. Uh, what has happened has happened, but yeah, for me the most disappointing window. It, it ah. goes I mean, how can you be disappointed when they didn't sign anybody? You that you are signing players that are going to put pressure on the coach free. All this is just going to put unnecessary pressure on Oli. But then I think I'll go with Basa. With all the drama that transpired and how they let Suarez go and how they lost Fidal as well. How Rakitic also went without them necessarily replacing them well, and also like that you look at the Barca team and it's just a joke. Like it's just a joke. Messi will be Messi, but but they 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 won. It's La Liga. It's La Liga. They'll win. And Tufati and all will play. Let them come to Champions League. And let them meet Bayern and their co-equals. And you will see the difference. Or even let them meet Madrid. Like, it's between Barca and United for me. I Smiley has said it all for United, so I wouldn't even touch on it. But I think I, I will go with Barca as well. The, the energy is just low. Because Charlie, everybody tired. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Come on. The season just started, Charlie. Football is bad. But then... So the, the club do you is know depressing how us. You what can again, go about what, what again? What we could do? Hmm. This is. We, we don't make happy like how many months this will. After that, <laughs> severe match, you never know happiness. <laughs> so we forget some psychologists for this little ATW. We, 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 we tell sir. The team will enter depression. We, we, we tell sir. We tell sir to get. If well, with the teams that they sign, who do you think has been the best signing? Of the window, Hamez. Mm-hmm. I can't look beyond Hamez because he's the one signing who has completely transformed his team, given his team an entirely different outlook. Like he's the one signing who, I think, if you take him out of his team, his team will look completely different. All the other signings who are good, I think, without them, their teams would still function properly. I think if you take Hammers out of this Everton team right now, they go back to being a normal mid-table team. So, it, it, yeah. it has to be him for me. It's Hammers for me as well. It's Hammers for me. Uh, so today, they don't want to fight me because I'm sure. 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 I'm <laughs> so I'll, I'll speak for him. Now I'll speak for ah, him. Party, party is the best signing because, and that would be the and that would also goes to the next one. The biggest game changing deadline they signing because I don't think you get like like you said, him his presence in that Arsenal team will completely change that midfield. Mm-hmm. That will solidify that spine. 
because if you have a tetra ball being played as fluently as it's being played now, and I think they will need somebody to be on the right so that Obama can be a bit central. And then that's when like you have a complete team and Arsenal will be very, 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 very deadly to deal with. But does it get any bigger than funny enough? Uh-huh. Uh, go ahead. Funny enough, the thing about Aubameyang playing in the middle, I think it's... It, I don't know. Before he even joined Arsenal, I kept saying that nope. his holder play isn't his that back good against for him to play in, through the, the middle. Really so I see why... Yeah, yeah, so I see why they think he's better on the left because over there he can run. He can play like sort of a Salah roof. The roof Salah plays for Liverpool, for Arsenal. He can run, get enough space to run and find himself in the box when necessary and everything. So, but hey, hey, you were saying you were saying something before I interrupted. Yeah, I interrupted. Yeah, so I'm, saying, I'm saying does it get any bigger than party or as a deadline day signing? Uh, somebody will go for Cavani. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to go with Alex Tellez. It's a bit biased for me. Was that deadline day? But if yeah, all of them. Yeah, it was bad. deadline day. Uh-huh. Cavani, Tellez, all of them. Were all the four. Day. Yeah, all of them. Because yeah, all the all the four, all the four. They wanted to appease the fans on the last day to make make us think oh they were working hard all along. Yeah, my mother's crying. But yeah, anyway, tell us the reason why I'm going with him is that United have always been deficient on the right for a long time. All our play goes to the left. And on the left, you have Luke Shaw getting so much possession and doing absolutely nothing with him. Uh, the last time I was trying to remember the last time he gave like a cross, like a proper cross, floating cross that landed on someone's head. I don't remember. He gets a lot of the ball. Whenever he gets into the crossing positions, he tries those low driven crosses that work like one time out of 20. He, and he doesn't even look where he's crossing. He just puts the ball in the box and hopes for the best. Tellers is someone who knows how to cross. He knows how to... His attacking output is very, very good. So now that you are swapping Shaw with Tellers, the quality of crosses and the quality of passing from the left all around is going to improve massively because till, we, till United sign a more established right winger, I don't think it's going to change, anything is going to change about our attacking play through the right. So in order at least you can solve the on the left you can improve the quality you have there is going to improve united a lot so i think for the of, of all the deadline day signings i think he was he was the one that is who's good who's bound to improve his team the most and he also has cavani coming and cavani too is a very good header of the ball in fact his all-round positioning as a striker is very good it's just, it's just that he like hey! it's just that he has that hmm. tendency of missing hmm. big uh, big chances every now and then but but yeah I think he's 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 going to benefit a lot from Teles's cross and United also didn't even have if Martial isn't that good in positioning himself in the box areaally for the ball to cross, for crosses and all those things so I think Teles is going to be a very good signing so yes mm, I'll go with Pate it doesn't get guy. bigger than Pate it didn't get bigger than Pate during the deadline like you already know us now fans and how they'll cause fracas and all of that but then it doesn't get bigger than Pate 
and that is the signing of the deadline day but then party hasn't played for us now yet so i'm still going to give it to um, hammer so far because what he has done with everton it might be four games in but they are unbeaten and they are sitting on top they score freely they play well and hammer has been the forefront of all their goals most of their goals and assists and their play so i can't look no further than yeah, pre-assist. Yeah, a lot of pre-assist. Over there, than to give to him mm-hmm. until party plays and we all see his performance and all. The signing so far has been nervous. Well, I think we've actually come to the end of the episode. You, you people want to talk about the post-transfer window predictions, but Charlie, <laughs> what we predicted so no. Hey, master, we go change them. If if hey, if, if we manage get Corey, yeah, then we go change them. You the joke. <laughs> I don't know if if me I talk to Trent Alexander, I don't go chop young player of the year. You go be change them, so now I know go change them. That's in there, we all go change them because the way things they go there. And the guys that tell me, you see, as the transfer window no end then since they be too early. Every other sports, this thing, everybody choose them by own. Right now, all of them backtrack. All of them. ESPN hey. podcast yesterday. They were the backtrack. Everybody, everybody. put United for the bottom four. Is like everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, this is why this is why we be the leading for Africa, no? Because we know you can't make changes. What you, oh, what you get, what you get. Plus, I don't get shame like that. I get shame like that. I did change my pick. <laughs> Ask Corey come. But yeah, uh, thank you guys for sticking with us at the end of the episode. Uh, we really couldn't do it without you. Uh, we have such a loyal followers following on Twitter. So please don't forget to share the page, interact with us. Uh, pl- no hot takes this week because obviously, you know, it's national football. But yeah, uh, shout out to the Gold Coast Reports for holding us. Cyril and Donald have been doing amazing behind the scenes. Uh, please do what to listen to our other podcasts as well. We have On Fire by Miss Nut, uh, Free Your Mind, Cecilia Cra, Sex and Sanity, and all that other good stuff. So, yeah, uh, Charlie Boys, two weeks' time. Uh, we'll see each other. Or make it, one bro, more bro, thing. Bro, see, see, for real though, like we haven't seen each other hey, in like three months. So. Which more than three months? You don't see each other. More than three months. Oh, no, no. No, okay, no, no, crack, crack me. I don't see you. No, 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 okay. crack, crack, they I don't see you. Smiley, they are, I see him. The last Corey, time we saw each other was the beach. Sometime when the... Ha! <laughs> Which beach? Yeah, the beach we call it. That was before Corona. That was before lockdown. March, March or February was it? Yeah, that was before Corona. Yeah. Wow! Oh, bro. You've, you've gone you've, you've gone on to become <laughs> a, a food king. So, I don't know. Are you for one talk about matter? I'm making you mind now. <laughs> it'll be cool, it'll be cool, it'll be cool. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. ATW dominates the conversation. This has been a Gold Coast Report production.